Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. I invite you, let's go together in our Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and our text this morning will be verses 18 through 25. Would you bow with me in prayer as we prepare this morning? Father in heaven, I say with the psalmist, and we can say with the psalmist this morning, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. So, Father, I, I pray this morning that we would find shelter and refuge under your wings, in your presence, in your steadfast love. I pray that you would be with me this morning as I open your word to deliver it clearly and faithfully. I pray that as your word is opened and explained that you would, by your spirit, carry your words into our hearts, that we would be strengthened together, that we would see your love, that we would sing of your love, and that we would just delight in you and trust in you today and carry us through the week. Lord, we remember our sinfulness before you, and then we come to you to bind you, the, the law cuts us and then you bind us up. So bind us up this morning through the preaching of your word. Give us ears to hear and by the Spirit, power to obey and apply your word. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so the title of our message, title of the message this morning is Our Glorious Hope. Our Glorious Hope. Where we have just come through in Romans 8, we have finished looking at how the Holy Spirit gives us new life. And this new life that the Spirit gives us causes us to have a, a holy confidence. That we have an assurance of our salvation. That we can walk in obedience to the Lord, empowered in holiness. Able to walk and to live the way that God would have us to live. And now this section we are faced with. The hope of glory. Resurrection hope. Everyone needs hope. We need to be able to look forward into the future and have, to look positively. Look to what is coming. The writer of Proverbs, he identified that we all need hope. In Proverbs 13, 12, he says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. God intends for us to live in hope. We all need to have hope. We all are hoping in something or someone. Can you think of a time that you or someone you know experienced a, a trial, a great trial? What was their response? Did it cause you, did it cause them to draw near to God? Or to draw away from. Paul intends for the, his readers 
the church in Rome, to draw in, draw near to God. And hope is essential for us if we're going to draw near to God. When we face trials and suffering, what are we going to hold on to when the bottom drops out in life? What can we look to to give us assurance? Perhaps you've wondered about the problem of evil. Why is there evil in the world? What is wrong with the world that we are living in? Why do we exist? Who made us and why are we here? What is, what is our purpose in life? And then if we look closely within and around, not everything is right in the world. One answer is that, well, we just dismiss the problem of evil. Just close our eyes, blind to problems and suffering, and just power through life. Or another way is just to have a, a simple, shallow answer is, well, just look to Jesus and I want us to have roots that go deep into Christ this morning. I want us to have a foundation that is thick, that we can stand on when suffering, when we experience suffering. God has done something about our sin problem. God sent Jesus to solve our sin problem for us on our behalf. He became a curse for us. And remember, we, as we've been going through the New City Catechism, question one, what is our only hope in life and in death? I want us all to have hope this morning. Deep, robust, solid standing in Christ. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. I've said these things to you, Jesus said, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So this morning, we are simply going to look to Jesus and see how the finished work of Christ gives us hope, hope of glory. Romans chapter 8, follow along with me, beginning in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait for it with patience. So this morning, the aim in this message is in the, in the waiting, in this life, while we wait for heaven, God's children will. We're going to see three areas, three responses 
that God's children will face in this life while we wait. Number one, God's children, we will experience intense suffering. We will experience intense suffering. Paul began this section with the words, For I consider. He's building off of what he has just worked through, and we, we went through this last time in verse 17. If we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Christ has secured for us our eternal salvation. The Holy Spirit applies Jesus' work to us through faith. When we turn from our sin and trust in Christ, we are adopted into God's family. We've been counted among those who belong to God now. We will share with Christ an in, in inheritance. So Paul's directing his readers in light of, he said, know that suffering is coming and so is glory. So now I consider. He starts off, he's, he's beginning to reason through, and this is what this section is facing. He's reasoning out what does it mean to live in light of suffering and glory. Paul's directing his readers to get their minds, yes, suffering is real, we will all face it. But he wants them ultimately to fix their eyes on Christ and his glory. So why is there suffering in the world? They're suffering because the created world is fallen. Paul says that the creation waits with eager longing. There's an anticipation and anxiety that all of creation is facing for the sons of God to be revealed. That is, for the work of God that what Christ has secured on the cross and applies to believers, everyone who turns from their sin and trusts in Christ, you are counted as a son of God, a child of God. And all of creation is waiting for the day when it's all revealed fully. You are a child of God. You've been set free. We will be with him forever. Creation's longing for this day. Longing for the day when God's grace is put on display. His power is revealed in His salvation and in His judgment. Longing for the day when all of God's children will be known. All who belong to God will be identified, I'm with Him, to the praise of God's grace. Creation has been subjected to futility, Paul says. That means a vanity, an emptiness compared to what God created everything for. That is, namely, to reveal His majesty, His worth, His holiness. But now, because of sin, creation doesn't work that way. Not in the same way that it used to. Not in the same way that it was meant to. God made creation to display His majesty, His name, His beauty. All of God's creation He made was very good. If you've been working through the New City Catechism, that's question five. All of God's creation was very good. But when Adam sinned, all of creation fell under the curse. The curse and enslavement to sin. This is this bondage to corruption. This is in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, 17, 18, and 19 describes this time when Adam sinned, and there's a curse now. 
And you can, you can turn there in your Bibles with me. Let's look at this in Genesis 3. The severity of the curse. What is wrong in creation? We will, we'll, be, we'll be going to a few different places in Scripture, so keep your mark placed in Romans 8. But I do want you to see this in Genesis 3. To remember this, that this curse happens. Genesis 3, 17. God said to Adam, and to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. God curses humanity and all of creation because of Adam's sin. He disobeyed the voice of God. The world does not work as it was meant to, as it was supposed to. The earth was meant to be fruitful. The Garden of Eden was meant to be a paradise. And instead, there's thorns and thistles. Their work is hard. There's pain. It's work to just survive and to get by. And this is why we face suffering and loss, difficulty and conflict externally around us and this is why we face within our internal conflict all of creation is fallen in sin not only is creation fallen but we are groaning paul says that creation groans and paul says we are groaning he's personifying creation to show that sin affects every single area of life and this is why our salvation, that God works in us, needs to be an inside-out transformation. Not only does creation groan, but so do we. We are waiting. We face the temptation of the flesh within. We encounter resistance and persecution, and we've seen this even coming up in Nehemiah, resistance to the work of God, internally and externally. Not only do we face struggle within and without, but there is an enemy. Satan hates God and hates God's people. So we face resistance and opposition spiritually. We are groaning. We are longing for the day when we are done with sin. Romans 3.23 reminds us that we are all sinners. Not only that we are all sinners, for all have sinned, but we fall short... God's glory. That means we miss the mark. God intends for us to display His glory in every thought and word and deed, but we don't. We don't. That Romans 3.23, it strikes at us in two ways. We are sinners, and God's perfect standard, His glory, we miss it. We fall short. So by God's grace and through the Holy Spirit, we must reorient. Our hearts need to be reoriented. Our minds, our wills need to be redirected back to where it belongs, and that's the glory of God. On His worth and His beauty and His majesty. So we are groaning. We, I want that to be all the time for my life and for you, and, and it's not. 
That's where for the child of God, that's where we're headed. And the Spirit is given to us to conform us more and more. We're being made more into His likeness. Being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Sin is remaining in us. It needs to be put to death. Remaining sin in us needs to be put to death. And for the child of God, we find ourselves crying out, How long, O Lord? How long are we going to face the trial and sorrow of sin? If you are in Christ this morning, do you remember how you came to faith in Christ? Paul makes it clear that there is no hope apart from Christ. He says this in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. Well, where are we going to get hope, Paul? Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The only place we can find lasting hope is through Christ. And it's through his death on the cross that we can be brought into God's presence. That's where hope can be found, in God, in Christ. So while we're groaning, while we wait in this life, we will experience suffering. And secondly, this is where, this is where the hope is coming. Secondly, secondly, we will expect an incomparable glory. Incomparable glory. Suffering is real. Don't be surprised by it. But if you are in Christ, if you and I are in Christ this morning, suffering serves you. It serves us by causing us to anticipate future, the future glory, the future of being with Jesus forever. That's what Paul says. It's not worth comparing. Our suffering, yes, it's painful, but glory is far better. It doesn't compare. And so then Paul says very similarly in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, that's suffering, our inner self is being renewed day by day. How, Paul? For in this light and momentary affliction, that's one way to describe sorrow and suffering, light and momentary. Yes, it's affliction. But what does Paul say? It is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. One day, the glory of Christ will be on full display. And you and I, if you are in Christ, we will share in that glory. This glory is incomparable. So this glory, God's glory will be displayed in creation renewed. Creation is anticipating God to reveal his glory in us and through us and to us. So a question I was asking this week as I was studying, why does Paul even include creation in this section? Doesn't it seem like he, he could just move from, okay, there's going to be suffering, but glory's coming, and we groan inwardly, but we have the Spirit. Why does he take all this time to unpack creation groaning and longing and being set free. I was asking myself this, and I think there are several answers, but here is 
one extended answer. All of creation belongs to God. When God created the world, everyone and everything, he did not create because he was lacking, as though he was lonely or empty. God created us and the world out of an overflow, an abundance of his power and his goodness, his holiness, to display how great he is. Not out of a lack, but out of an abundance. God has already has perfect glory and fellowship in himself, because God is three in one. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all, they are together, three persons in the one true God. They exist in perfect fellowship. They're eternal. God was not adding to something that was lacking in himself, but displaying that's how creation functions, to display. God desires to restore creation because he's provident. And we've been reminded of this even through Nehemiah, that God is good and God cares for his creation. So this is Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Creation belongs to God. And I like the way that Abraham Kuyper puts it. He said it this way. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human life. Everything. Of which Christ, who is sovereign of all, who is Lord of all, does not cry, mine. Everything belongs to Christ. And creation will display his glory. So Paul makes this connection between glory and creation. He's, he's doing this because he, he wants to show that there's this eagerness, this waiting. Creation's been subjected to futility. He says that. But he, it's subjected to it in hope. Hope of what? Hope that in one day, creation will be set free. Free from sin. Creation will share in the glory that God shares with his children, all those who trust in Christ. And when the text says here that creation was subjected, and Paul writes this, subjected to futility. Who? Who subjected creation? Or whom? Somebody help me out on that later. <laughs> Adam was the one who sinned. Adam disobeyed the command of God. He listened to Eve, tempted by the serpent. Adam was guilty, and sin and death spread to all of us because of Adam's disobedience. But God is the one who gave the pronouncement of the curse. God is the one who subjected creation to this futility. But don't miss this. He subjected creation to futility in hope. So that even, even though this, this creation is cursed because of sin, God is unfolding his perfect plan of redemption. That we were just there in Genesis 3. God gives the promise, one day a son will be born who will crush the head of the serpent. He will crush and conquer our greatest enemy. And it wasn't Cain. It wasn't Seth. Not Abraham. Not Isaac or Jacob, not David, 
but it was Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, under the curse, that we might be saved and set free, to behold his glory face to face. So see this. I want you to see this and notice this in the text, that God meant good out of suffering. Even in Genesis 3, God meant it for good and meant it for his glory. Creation was subjected in hope. Not only is creation going to be renewed, but God's glory will be realized in our resurrection. In Exodus 33, Moses asks to see the glory of the Lord. Would you turn there with me? Exodus 33. Exodus 33, we're going to look at verses 18 through 23. I know we're going to do a little jumping around. I want you to see this. This is, this is worth considering for us. When we consider God's glory, Moses asks to see the glory of the Lord. In verse 18, Exodus 33, 18, Moses said to the Lord, please show me your glory. And he said, this is the Lord, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me which you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Old Testament Moses desired to see the glory of God. He couldn't. No one can look upon the glory of God and live. This is significant because of where we're going. Moses wanted to see God's glory, but was covered. When Christ came, in John 1, you don't have to turn there, but God is, just realize this, God is so glorious, and we are too sinful to behold God's glory and live. We need someone to go in between us. We need someone to cover our sin and to make us right. Can we just praise God for Christ and for the gospel? When Christ came, he showed us the glory of the Father. It's John 1. We long for our salvation to be complete. When we are saved from the very presence of sin, we have confidence as we anticipate our adoption will be realized. If you're a child of God, if you are trusting in Christ, you have been adopted. You're standing before God legally, you belong to God's family. And yet, with this the already and the not yet. We're not yet in God's presence face to face, so we are waiting for that day. We're waiting for that day. To be with Jesus, we want to see him as he is. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet believed, Jesus said. We desire with Paul to be with Christ, which is far better. We are waiting for the day when God will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. For the believer, our future with Christ will be infinitely better. 
no matter the hardships we face in this life. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him, though he dies, yet shall he live. That's what Paul says we're longing for, the, the redemption of our bodies. We desire to be with Christ. Our whole self will be redeemed and made right. Christ came, he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. And Peter says, he will bring us to God. This is the hope of the gospel that Jesus has saved us for. This is what Paul says. For in this hope we were saved, waiting for the day that we will be made right. So I just want to give a glimpse now of heaven. Let's look there now in Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Moses longed to see God's glory. Jesus manifested God's glory. And one day, we will be in the presence of God's glory. Revelation 19, 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. Listen to this song that's go, that will go out in heaven. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her, granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So this morning, hear the invitation. When you turn from your sin and trust in Christ, the, this is the invitation. We can be in God's presence forever singing hallelujah, glory to his name. That's where blessing is, the greatest blessing. We will be with God. We will worship Jesus, whose name is faithful and true. We will, he will conquer. He will judge the nations. He will love his people. He loves them to the end. At the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus says three times, Behold, I am coming soon. God will one day wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more so sorrow, no more sickness or pain. God will make all things new. In the meantime, he is remaking us new. We will experience suffering. We will expect glory. And thirdly, what are we going to do in the meantime? We will endure by God's indwelling spirit. By God's indwelling spirit. We have no strength on our own. We need God's help. The Spirit gives us fruit. That's what Paul says in Romans 8. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. 
In the meantime, we're going to wait in patience. The Spirit gives us fruit. The Spirit has been given to all true children of God, that we really are God's children. The Spirit is working in us to prepare us for glory. That's why it's so important in the section before that we, we've been through this, that the Spirit helps us to put our sin to death. He's preparing for us to be with Jesus. If the Spirit is bearing fruit in us now, we can be confident that He will continue to bear fruit in us. We can have assurance that He will continue to work in us while we wait for glory. And so Paul says the first fruits, the, the first fruits, more is coming. The fruit of the Spirit, as the Spirit works in us to make us more like Christ. And Paul says it in Ephesians 1, that the Holy Spirit is our down payment. He's the guarantee of our inheritance to come. The Holy Spirit is from God, signifying that God will keep us to the end. And we're, we'll get there next time. The Spirit is going to help us in our weakness. He's our comforter and our guide. He's given to us by the Father. Jesus promised that He would not leave us alone. So He gives us the Spirit. The Spirit gives us fruit. And also, as we endure by God's indwelling Spirit, we will persevere in faith. We'll persevere in faith. Paul says that as we hope, we wait patiently. And that's not the same thing as idly. We're not just going to sit around and wait for, well, any minute now, right? Not idly. We can st we're going to stay the course. Don't give up. Glory is coming. We need to encourage one another and lift one another up to help one another fix our eyes to heaven. That's why worship matters. Corporate worship matters in person. We can hear one another sing. We can sit together under the word. We can serve together. This is why small groups matter. We're going to worship, walk, and work together. That's how we're going to persevere in faith as we wait for glory. We need this kind of real life-on-life -life fellowship. And while we wait, we wait humbly. Humbly trusting that because God is more than able to save us, He's able to sustain us and to keep us until our hope is realized. So don't lose heart. Remember, our suffering is not worth comparing. The writer of Hebrews, he says it this way, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We haven't seen Jesus yet. We can see him in the scriptures, but face to face, we're waiting. We will one day. We have yet to experience the full glory of Jesus. What we experience doesn't always look like God is in control. We need to have a hope that is greater than ourselves, greater than our feelings, greater than our circumstances. We need a hope that is a person. We need Jesus Christ. All who hope in him long for the day when Christ returns. So the writer of Hebrews, he says it in Hebrews 6, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. What is that hope? It's Jesus who went before us, went through the curtain to the most holy of holy places, and made a way for us. We can have a hope steady and secure forever through the cross 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you have this hope? Do you have this hope in Christ today? I call you, I invite you, turn from your sin and trust in Christ and hope in him. Faith looks back to the finished work of Christ and hope looks to the future, to the victory of Christ reigning and ruling forever. The cross is empty, the tomb is empty. Look to Jesus and trust in him today. Eternity is certain for everyone. There is either eternity separated from God, eternal misery, hell, or there is eternal happiness in God's presence forever. What determines our eternity is Jesus and who we say that he is. Was he just a good teacher? Was he just a prophet? Or is Jesus who he said he was, who he showed himself to be, he is the Son of God? We'll persevere with patience, trusting that God is sufficient for us. So what are we going to do when our feelings don't match our faith? What are we going to do when our circumstances, are, the difficulty we face is great? Well, one way we can take from even from this text, Lord, I don't see this hope yet, but I want to. Help me. Father, help me. And then we can, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. But that's another sermon. Next time. Next time we'll get to verse 26. So in, in the meantime, Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 43. Psalm 43. This is a psalm that we can turn into a prayer while we wait, while we wait in hope, listen to the psalmist here. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation, <clears throat> my salvation and my God. In the meantime, while we wait, hope in the Lord. He shall renew your strength, rise up in wings like eagles. You shall run and not weary, weary walk and not grow faint. I'm calling us this morning to look in hope to the resurrected King Jesus. Amen. While we wait. So in the waiting, God's children, here's what we'll do. We will experience intense suffering. We will expect an incomparable glory. And we will endure by God's indwelling spirit. Do you have this kind of hope this morning? I want you to have this kind of hope. And so I point you this morning to Jesus Christ. Trust in him alone.
some questions for us. What are you presently experiencing that's causing you to groan? We all face sin. What's causing you to groan? And how will remembering the coming glory of Jesus transform your outlook today? Would you stand with me and let's pray together? Father in heaven, I thank you that you are my God. I thank you that you are our God, that you have made yourself known to us. Father, thank you that we can find hope when everything around us seems dark and hopeless. Father, you are faithful. I pray you would give us the grace that we need to hope in you. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, in whom we can find an unshakable hope. We love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.